you want to build your brand by being a guest on industry-leading podcasts? If you're a business leader, an author, or a speaker, my guess is that you do. Picture this. You, a dynamic executive easily connecting with engaged audiences, turbocharging your top-of-funnel marketing, and creating a treasure trove of content with every episode. Podcasting is a game changer that you've been waiting for. And PodcastAlly.com is your VIP ticket to podcast PR success. Say goodbye to the ordinary and hello to the extraordinary exposure. Let the Podcast Ally team connect you with the best-in-class podcast for you to be a guest on. Head over to PodcastAlly.com and use the promo code DT for a 10% discount on Podcast Ally services. That's PodcastAlly.com, promo code DT. Welcome to High Octane Leadership with Donald Thompson. This season, we're diving deeper with more solo episodes, where I'll share the experiences that have led to recognition by EY, Forbes, Fast Company, and others. Not as a boast, but as milestones on my entrepreneurial path. From growing multi-million dollar firms to successful business exits and building high performance teams with a global perspective. I'll reveal the insights and strategies from my journey and share them with you so that we can win together. Alongside these solo episodes, we'll have industry visionaries and thought leaders, and we'll explore effective leadership. Ready to empower your leadership journey with real success stories? Let's embark on this transformational journey together. Welcome to the High Octane Leadership Podcast with Donald Thompson. Uh, We're going to talk today about the attack on DEI. And... One of the things that is just really prevalent in our business landscape today, our political landscape, is the narrative around diversity, equity, inclusion is being hijacked. And it's unfortunate, it's unprecedented, but it's working. And so those of us that are in the field of building better workplaces, uh, working on workplace culture, workplace communication, creating an environment where everyone can win, have to fight back. And how do we do that? How do we communicate an alternative message when something good is being massaged to where it is negative in terms of its tone? Uh, Woke culture. Um, DEI is responsible for poor hiring choices. In the case of Bud Light and what they did in terms of going a little bit overboard in terms of the DEI narrative that was off brand, right, for their customer base. So there's a lot of things that are going on in the DEI space, but one thing in particular is that when you really break down what diversity, equity, inclusion is trying to do in the business community, it's very simple. And the way that you combat, right, a negative attack on messaging from a branding standpoint, from a packaging standpoint, is you break things down to the common denominators where everyone can agree, and then you build from there. For example... When someone's talking to me about DEI and isn't this a way to create a racial divide, isn't this a way to target white professionals, isn't it reverse racism, we just ask a simple question like this. Do you think that everyone should be paid the same wage for the same work? Do you think it makes sense to have physical accessibility? If someone is in a wheelchair that they can get into the building that you work in. 
Does it make sense that when you're building a website, you create a website with a user experience that allows people that are blind or low vision professionals to accurately navigate that site or use readers, if you will, so that they can basically have an audio version of the content on the website? Do you think it makes sense when you're doing your hiring and your recruiting that we look at universities outside of your current uh, portfolio to identify more and better talent? Well, when I talk to executives and I use uh, plain spoken terminology, examples that are clear and concise, I get 100% yes. What typically is occurring today is that people in the political sphere are using DEI to advocate a negative tonality towards our differences. They're creating a racial divide, if you will. They're creating a backlash against people in the LGBTQ community who simply want to feel safe at work. And so when I'm talking with business leaders and executives, I try to move away from combating the Fox News narrative and move closer to the things that we can agree. Another few examples, and I'll dig into a little bit of the content. When you're growing a business and you're trying to grow market share, you're looking to grow and expand your client base. So I was talking to a business leader in the financial services space. This company does mortgages, wealth management, 401k administration, all kinds of financial products within this organization. And the business leader said, well, Don, I am strongly religious. I just don't believe in, understand, or condone the LGBTQ community uh, in terms of its advocation for things that I don't believe in from my spiritual background. I said, okay, makes sense. I said, from your business background, do you want to give loans to all people or only people that agree, believe, and live the way that you do? He said, absolutely not. I want to give good service to any of the clients that come through the doors of our financial institution. I said, well, in order to give great service to all of the different types of clients you want to attract, doesn't it make sense to understand them better as individuals, as people, as humans? He said, yeah, that does make sense. And where we came to in the discussion was that we were not trying to change his spiritual belief, but we were trying to expand the number of people that he could relate to, the number of people that his financial services firm could serve, the number of qualified applicants and employees that would feel comfortable working in the business that he represents. But changing someone is not our job. That's a personal choice. That is a perspective on how you view the world. But it is important as a business leader for you to create a business environment that any employee within your organization feels safe at work, feels compensated fairly for the work that they do and deliver, sees opportunities for growth and advancement the same as their peers, and creates an environment of welcoming for people that may be different than you. So it is a function of expanding a point of view, not changing you. And when we had that dialogue, it became self-evident, or very evident, that it wasn't a function of whether or not he was against diversity, equity, inclusion. He was against the way DEI was portrayed and the judgment or the shaming that came along with the package uh, in many ways. We need skeptics. We need critics. 
because we have to be able to discuss and define these things out in the open and make sure that the right messaging is getting to the right people at the right time. One of the assumptions about diversity, equity, inclusion is that it is a simply a conversation about race, sexual orientation, and gender. Certainly those three components of DEI are very, very important. But one of the things that when we talk about the attack on DEI, we lose sight of the fact that we have multiple generations that are in the workforce at the same time, and it is a unique leadership challenge because you don't recruit, reward, and retain Gen Z workers the same way that you do millennials, the same way that you do baby boomers, the same way that you do Gen X. There are different characteristics based on our generational point of view across all of the different spectrums. But one thing unifies us all. We all want to be valued in the work that we do. We all want recognition for our contribution to the success of the firm. We all want opportunities for advancement based on our merit. And we all want to feel safe in the workplace, both physical safety, but also safety for presenting and pushing through new and innovative ideas. We also want to be safe from making mistakes as long as we learn from them. So what you can find when we look across generations and how to lead folks that are different based on the generations they were born in, the experience that they had. If you look at the commonalities, it's going to give you an opportunity to create a better workplace, a more innovative workplace, and a more highly productive workplace because we're starting from the areas where we have things in common versus things where we may disagree or simply have a different perspective. One of the things that we can do when people are attacking diversity, equity, inclusion, that's that woke stuff. Why are you spending time on this? This has nothing to do with business. We think about things in terms of how they're packaged and messaged. In a report published in the Harvard Business Journal, Frank Dobbin and Alexandra Kalov created a really thoughtful perspective. Think about the words you could use that are a part of diversity, equity, inclusion work, but don't use that word. Mentoring programs. Cross-training. Self-managed teams, leadership development, workplace communication. All of these things align with what we're talking about with diversity, equity, inclusion, but they don't carry the negative baggage that people are trying to associate with DEI. I had someone tell me, well, Don, if you're changing the packaging around what you're doing, isn't that selling out? Isn't that kowtowing? Why don't these folks in power, predominantly middle-aged white professionals, isn't it their time to change? Who cares if they don't like the language of DEI? Well, that's not how you make changes and move in terms of power structure. Anyone in marketing will tell you, you have to alter your message so that the audience you're trying to move, motivate, and create meaning from your work can hear you. That's not selling out. That's being smart. That's being entrepreneurial. That's being a business leader. 
If you go to someone and say DEI and they have a negative connotation, you go to that same person and you talk about leadership development, creating better well-being for employees at work, enhancing productivity, and they hire you and they fund the project and they put their leaders in it. Would you rather have better training, better education for your leadership team, changing the words? Or keeping the same DEI methodology terminology, and it's met with a negative reaction. This is where practitioners, leaders, consultants, folks in the space, we've got to be smart in the moment so that we win in the end. And that means we have to redefine the language that we're using around diversity, equity, inclusion, so that we can get faster adoption of the principles without getting too tightly aligned with the packaging. So the principle of diversity, equity, inclusion is we want to teach leaders how to use inclusive language. So what is inclusive language? It is a way of speaking to people that brings folks together versus pulling us apart. So an example of inclusive language in the technology space, when you're working on a technology, a product, or a service implementation, you are always trying to figure out how much something will cost. And a common term is man hours. Well, that's not inclusive. Changing to person hours gives you the opportunity to achieve the same objective, which is to quantify the effort that a technology rollout will take. But using inclusive language, person hours creates an environment where everyone is included in that process. Very simply, instead of saying you guys, say everyone. Those are two small examples, but when I talk to business leaders, it's very simple. I ask them, would you be willing to change your language to make people feel more welcome? Overwhelmingly, the answer to that question is yes. Again, it is a principle within diversity, equity, inclusion. It is a way of packaging but it doesn't change the mission. It doesn't change what we're trying to accomplish. And so what I try to encourage people to do is not try to get water from a rock, right? Try to figure out how to make orange juice out of an orange. So try to use something that you can win with based on the people, the person, the personality that you're talking with. Here's another example. Most leaders are wired to think in data and dollars, not emotion, not the right thing to do, not social good. That doesn't mean they don't think about these things at all. I'm just saying it's not the dominant way that business leaders of large organizations think. So then it is important to remind them, and this is important, the source of insight should be literature, podcasts, consulting organizations that they're familiar with and already hold in high esteem as sources of quality information and truth. So when I'm talking to a business leader, I don't say Don thinks. I'll say McKinsey and Company created a survey of thousands of business leaders and organizations around diversity, equity, inclusion. And they found 
that organizations that are gender diverse outperform in profitability by over 25%. Organizations that focus on disability inclusion outperform by 28%. Ethnically and culturally diverse organizations outperform in profitability by over 36% based on this study of thousands of different companies. I use the data to define the narrative of the dialogue, not what I think. I talk to them about the cost of turnover because black and brown professionals that you took time, effort, and energy to recruit don't feel comfortable in the organization because maybe they're not getting the same level of mentoring opportunities. There are so few people in the organization that look like them. They don't see anybody in the top ranks of the business in the C-suite at the board level that look like them. So therefore, they have a a perspective that the organization is only a short-term opportunity for them because there's really nowhere for them to rise. Again, I'm talking to this leader in data in examples that they can understand versus attacking them for what they don't know and what they're not doing, shaming them for things in the past that they could not control. It's one of the reasons that in my dialogue, I don't use the term white privilege. That's very attacking. It's very judgmental. I use the term privilege. I'm very fortunate as an individual to have been well-educated. I have that privilege from an education standpoint. At two parents in the home, that's a privilege. And so even though we may look different, have different perspectives, we all have opportunities to, number one, acknowledge our privilege. Number two, what is the responsibility of our privilege? And number three, not create a judgmental environment because of someone's privilege, but an expectation and an opportunity to use that privilege to better your working environment, to better society, to create an environment where other people can have the opportunity to win as well. But saying white privilege sounds like I've got my finger jamming at you. And it doesn't unify us. It doesn't make us want to solve problems together. And so I try very hard to use language that is inclusive, that brings people together versus pulls people apart. Now, let's talk again from a communication perspective and knowing your audience. So when you're talking to senior leaders, we talked about this a little bit in terms of data. Talk in terms of profitability, productivity, employee turnover, employee engagement, strategic advantage against the competition, how to enter new markets, how to grow audiences, things that can be measured and quantified for that business leader and executive. At the middle management level, and we're going to talk about three peers, three levels within an organization, senior level, number one. Second, we're going to talk about middle managers. These are folks that are working directly with lots of folks in the organization, and they need to understand like how to, things like how to give and receive feedback, how to have candid conversations. How do you ask more questions of your team versus more statements so that you can pull information, ideas from your team? how to run better meetings that are more inclusive so that everyone around the table feels the opportunity to be a part of the discussion, a part of the decision, a part of the solution. And so people manager training is that hands-on element of educating your leaders of how to interact one moment at a time with people within your organization and helping them win. The third sphere uh, within most teams are your 
individual contributors, your frontline professionals. And here we want to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion in ways that allow people to understand how DEI is going to help them win at work tomorrow. Whether or not somebody understands why pronouns matter, we're not asking you to necessarily do it for yourself, but if you are a frontline professional and you mispronoun someone and it makes them feel uncomfortable, they're less likely to buy from your store. Versus understanding, appreciating, and if someone gives a gentle correction and says, my pronouns are they, them, you understand why that matters to that individual. And since your goal as an organization in the business realm for your employees, for your clients, for your stakeholders, is to make people, to help people feel comfortable doing business with you because they believe that you care about them as individuals. It doesn't mean we always have to agree. In fact, we won't agree all the time. But it does mean we have to have enough business skill and savvy as a senior executive, number one, number two is the middle managers, or number three, the frontline professionals, to be able to look at things from another person's perspective, point of view, life experiences. To ensure that all employees feel that there are open feedback channels in the organization. That there are ample opportunities to participate in discussions. DEI is so much more than just a discussion on race. It's about creating a personalized work experience for everyone. But it's also linked to the standards of what makes the business grow. One of the things that we talk about with leaders and managers is how do you have difficult conversations? And one of the things that's that's most important, and, and here, you know, I was doing some reading and um, our folks of the diversity movement created a guide. And the name of the white paper is DEI Under Attack, a guide to understanding, navigating, and responding to DEI skeptics. And in this guide, there are seven key points that I'll go through pretty quickly about having difficult conversations. And this applies to our work in workplace communication. This applies to our work in better leadership skills. Number one, remember that the goal is to understand, not win or persuade. Until I understand you, I can't move you anyway. Until I understand you, I can't help you. It's like this. When my kids, my kids are grown now, but when they were young, sometimes they would, it would seem like they were crying for no reason. But as I matured as a parent and started to look at different signals, I understood a couple things. Gas slash tummy ache, ear ache, hungry. I don't want to say every time it was one of those three, but it usually was one of those three things that were wrong, but they didn't know how to communicate it. Well, many times in a work environment, people are struggling, but they don't know who to and how to 
communicate the challenges that they're having. And so our goal as a business leader is first seek to understand. That's number one. Number two, we want to make sure as leaders that we have a curious perspective, not a confrontational one. When someone's talking to me and they're curious and they really want to understand my point of view, I'm much more open to them. The conversation's better and more meaningful because I feel like I'm being heard. Number three, here's a phrase that I've used for decades in business. Help me understand. That simple phrase communicates to the person with a challenge, communicates to the person you're having a tough conversation with, that you're not trying to convince them, change them, shame them. You're All you're trying to do is understand their point of view so that whatever action you take together is going to be based on a joint understanding of what their challenge or opportunity is. The fourth point, one of the top things that every human being wants is to feel heard and understood. Number five, don't interrupt. Actively, deeply listen to the people that are talking with you. Number six, summarize what you heard them say. Not how you feel, not the solution, what you heard them try to communicate to get confirmation that you're on the right track with understanding. And number seven, Once you understand each other's point of view, try creating that bridge to solution. And here's a real critical thing. As a business leader, I hear a lot of feedback, a lot of perspective, but it's critical that you follow up with people. And that creates amazing credibility, even if the follow-up answer is not support of their initiative or you can automatically solve their issue, but that you have worked on it, you have moved it up the the leadership chain, that you have taken next steps and you're going to follow through. So now what I just described to you is an element of DEI around workplace communications and how to have difficult conversations with your team and the seven elements. One, seek to understand. Two, be curious. Three, learn to use the phrase, help me understand. Number four, make sure people feel heard. Number five, don't interrupt. Number six, summarize what you heard. And number seven, create bridges towards a solution and make sure we follow up. Workplace communication is a key component, key principle of DEI. And most people will agree That if you improve workplace communication, you will improve productivity. If you improve productivity, you have the opportunity to grow and expand and have a sustainably successful business. So again, back to the naysayers, back to the folks that are using woke, woke DEI, what's this stuff, that are race baiting us, that are targeting us for a negative outcome to dialogue versus bringing us together. Don't let them win because they're creating misinformation. Break the conversation down simply. Having a team with diversity of thought leads to better innovation. That's a good thing for business. Having a team of complementary skills allows us to get work done faster with higher quality. 
a lot of times in these difficult questions and conversations, we'll get questions like, I'm a white man. So I'm not sure how DEI applies to me. And no one seems to care what I think. Diversity, equity, inclusion is about inclusion. So there's a place for all of us in these dialogues and discussions. The goal of DEI is not to raise up one group at the expense of another. The goal of DEI is that we learn to appreciate, understand, and work together better for the common good at work. Why are we spending so much time on this? This doesn't have anything to do with work. Why can't we just work at work? I got to go to all these different DEI meetings, stuff I don't understand, don't agree with, not a good use of my time. I was talking to a sales executive that had that point of view. Very successful financially, uh, led a large group of sales professionals in the technology space. I asked, what is the sales quota for your team? Well, each individual has a 3 to $5 million sales target. I said, "Would do you care if your sales professionals are black, white, gay, or straight, Gen Z, Gen X, or do you care that they can hit this $5 million target? Sales professional said, I don't care about any of that. I only care that they can keep customers happy and meet that $5 million target. I said, so would you be okay if your talent acquisition team expanded the number of universities that they talked to to give you a broader pool of applicants? Oh, yeah, that'd be fine. Would it make sense if we did some light training with your talent acquisition team and your interview teams to make sure that the questions that you ask during the interview process are inclusive so that more people feel welcome and can see themselves being a part of your company? Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Since more and more women are in leadership positions in companies, would you be okay if we had some inclusive language training so that some of your professional sales folks that are in that bro code mood could learn some language of inclusion so that we're not offending people based on our word choices? He said, no, that'd be fine. That makes a lot of sense. You have to learn. You have to be able to communicate with different types of people. I said, again, you don't disagree with DEI. You disagree with how it was packaged, and you disagree with someone asking you to spend time on something without a linkage to the value of what you're learning, the value of how DEI is going to help you sell more software. He said, absolutely. And this sales professional invited me to work with their sales team and do some more expansive training because what we did was we linked diversity, equity, inclusion to growing the business. And our ability to do that allowed us to move forward in a conversation that started out with a business executive and a mindset of, why do I need this? Why does it matter? It feels like a waste of time. And so instead of me personalizing that negative tone, I followed the guides that I just described, and I seeked to understand his point of view first. And once I understood his point of view, I was able to relate to him in a manner that made sense for both of us of why diversity, equity, inclusion was strategic. I don't have any biases. So what's the, what's the problem? I don't see color. I'm a good person. Okay. That's really not what we're here to debate, but I will tell you that we all have biases. 
And because you have bias doesn't make you racist. It means we need to understand our biases and make sure that what make sure that our experiences, that our biases don't create decisions that have a negative impact on someone else unintentionally. I don't want to change. I'm good with who I am. I'm a good person. Okay. Um, I'm not saying you're a good or a bad person. I am saying that we can all be better leaders. I am saying we can all improve our workplace communication. I am describing that in order for us to win at work, working with a diverse group of professionals allows us to expand our goals and grow as team members. Those are just a couple of examples of things that people would say relative to diversity, equity, inclusion, and try to tie us into an us versus them mentality when really we're trying to create an environment where our team wins together. As I wind down and appreciate your time today and just listening to this tough topic, but DEI is under attack, but we don't want to let the naysayers win. Because really what we're trying to do with diversity, equity, inclusion, as we summarize, is we want to have better conversations at work. We want to create an environment where everyone feels safe and secure in their environment. We want to create enough education to where people understand that diversity, equity, inclusion is more than a discussion around race. That DEI is a discussion about the differences that can positively impact our growth as a firm. That disability inclusion matters. That understanding how to work in a workforce that has multiple generations. To understand perspectives outside of just a U.S. to the world perspective, but a global perspective on how the world works and thinks and grows in business. Our personality differences. We want to have an environment where everyone feels that they can win at work. We want to be able to recruit the best and brightest within our organization and ultimately use DEI to do three things. To help us make more money, to help us reduce our costs, to help us reduce our risk. And when you talk to leaders and get them to understand that having a winning culture is a powerful value driver across all of the elements of your business, improving your product innovation, your marketing reach, your sales engagement and follow-through, your ability to have productivity in the people that you work with, and most importantly, winning against the competition. DEI is a competitive advantage. In order for you to take advantage of everything that you're hearing and learning, make sure that we seek to understand others first, that we try to find common ground that we can have discussions and that we realize when we're talking at one another, we're not being as productive as we could be when we're talking with each other. Appreciate your time and attention. This is DT over now. Thanks for spending time with us on high octane leadership. And again, we have no intention of letting the negativity around the DEI narrative that is spouted by some, heard by many, be the last word. We're going to help people win at work, not only because it's the right thing to do, but because we're going to tie the value of diversity, equity, inclusion to the bottom line growth and how people win in the marketplace. 
Thanks for your time and attention. Talk soon. Thank you for joining us on High Octane Leadership with Donald Thompson. Today's episode is a step in our collective journey towards leadership excellence. Remember, every story we share and every insight we gain is a piece in the puzzle of our leadership journey. For more insight and detail, hit the subscribe button so that we can stay connected. For deeper information and more episodes, go to donaldthompson.com. Continue to lead with vision and purpose, and until we meet again, embrace your role as a high-octane leader in the ever-evolving world of business.